Welcome everyone to the latest edition of Three Plastic Surgeons and a Microphone. I am Dr. Sam Dejurikar in Dallas, Texas, Instagram handle at Sam Dejurikar. And as always, I'm joined by my illustrious colleagues, Dr. Sam Ree on our far right from Paramus, New Jersey. His Instagram handle is at Bergen Cosmetic. And Dr. Salvatore Pacella, extraordinary plastic surgeon from San Diego. His Instagram handle is at San Diego Plastic Surgeon. And before we get into the meat of today's topic, which is going to be social media and its influence on plastic surgery, I just want to read our generalized disclaimer. This show is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is only for informational purposes. Treatment and results may vary based upon the circumstances, situation, and medical judgment after appropriate discussion. Always seek the advice of your surgeon and other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding medical care. And never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking advice because of something we may have said on this show. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Ree, who's going to lead our discussion today about social media. How are you, gentlemen? Very good. Thank you. Excellent. All right. This is really funny because social media in plastic surgery has changed so quickly over the past several years. I just want to rep first start by saying it's almost a given, obviously, that if you're in plastic surgery, you're going to be engaged in social media. But even as um, short as 10 years ago, this is a 2011 article by out of the Aesthetic Surgery Journal by Rorick and Mathis. They basically surveyed uh, plastic surgeons and only 28% in those of uh, those surveyed, those plastic uh, surgeons were using social media. And 28% is insanely low now. I would imagine that if you actually looked at plastic surgeons now, nearly everybody is using social media in their practice. It's crazy how much social media has influenced plastic surgery because it's influenced our lives. Obviously nearly a hundred percent of millennials are using some sort of apps such as Facebook is almost antiquated now, but Instagram or Twitter or TikTok to uh, get their information. And you can see that in the articles that I took a quick look at social media and the plastic surgery patient, you can see how we're basically following our patients. If our patients are going to be on social media, we're going to have to be on social media to advertise. So let me just start by asking both of you, what do you do in terms of your social media engagement for your practice? Um, do you yeah, want to take be, that first, Al? Sure, sure. I feel like social media can be a crutch sometimes. I don't have a brisk marketing division or a marketing program or a third party marketing venue. So uh, unfortunately I have to do most of the social media by myself and I'm in a somewhat of a partial academic type of program. I'm part of a big multi-specialty group and my philosophy of social media is that I, I do want to maintain my brand or develop my brand, but I don't want to take away from the larger brand that I'm affiliated with, such as Scripps or Scripps MD Anderson. And I feel this, I look at this like a co-branding, okay? So if I'm dancing around on social media with my shirt off, that may be great for you two guys to see, but it's not uh, some, it's not an image that I want to project as a professional, as a surgeon necessarily, okay? And I'm not discounting those that 
do that sort of stuff. It's just, I'm not in that kind of world. So my, I really have my social media that I usually do is really strictly, almost strictly uh, before and afters with patients, educational, maybe a little bit of human interest here and there. I may show pictures of my dogs or my kids or whatever. So that's about the extent of it. I think Doctor, I have seen you topless on your social media when you go surfing though. I, <laughs> that's actually not true at all. I usually wear a wetsuit. Oh, that's true. <laughs> And, and I'm, I'm fairly used to seeing you pantless in your social media as well, but that's just in your DMs to me. But dovetailing on what you just said, it's tough where social media is concerned because social media, at the end of the day, is entertainment. If you look at what we do, what our kids do, get up in the morning, during various times when we have downtime, we go to our phones, we go on to social media, and we look to be entertained. Yet, yet in our mind, we've always viewed entertainment and professionalism to sometimes be at odds with one another. And we all have our relative, our relative lines that we're going to draw in the sand about where we're going to draw the line and what's professional and what is entertaining. And I think all of us tend to err on the side of being what we consider to be professional, what doctors are traditionally meant to do, handle themselves in a way that, that looks like a respectful authority figure. But obviously there are people out there that don't do that. I, I do engage in a pretty robust social media presence. I find it to be an important way to communicate with potential patients as well as current patients. I find it to be incredibly helpful for educational purposes. I do show some intraoperative footage, not a lot, and I'm definitely not commenting on people or trying to body shame people. I'm trying to teach people about how procedures might be performed. I show a lot of before and after pictures because I think it's important for people to understand what's possible with plastic surgery. And so I do think social media is an important part of, of our profession. It's an important way to meet new patients and educate people. But we all have to decide for ourselves at the end of the day what we consider to be professional and what we consider to be the way we want to conduct ourselves, the way we want to project ourselves to the world. It's interesting what you said, Sal, about co-branding and the institutions that you're affiliated with. And I have seen some studies that basically say the ones who engage the most in social media are the solo practitioners that are doing cosmetic surgery. And that's exactly what I am. I'm a solo practitioner who does primarily aesthetics. And so my set point for what Sam mentioned, where there's entertainment and where there's professionality is set differently. And I know that because, because I get some feedback from my patients, I see feedback from my posts. And so I do inform, I do a lot of before afters because that's what patients tell me they want to see, but they also respond to knowing I think me as a person, the human interest side that you said, I have posted comical posts about the staff or me doing my thing personally. So it's, but I do have a line and I think that there are a lot of plastic surgeons out there that go really far on the entertainment side. And I think that is growing as an accepted form of advertisement for plastic surgeons. I don't think informing patients or being professional is really even a thing anymore for a lot of people. I think they really want to push the, the boundaries in terms of what what's acceptable right. for plastic surgeons. And that's a little difficult. Right now. It, so 
we all know that there's a generational component to plastic surgery, right? There are the millennials, the 20 year olds, and they're highly tuned into social media. There is a group of 40 to 50 year olds that are probably not as engaged on social media. And then there's a whole group of patients older that more than likely probably don't get a bunch of their information from social media. And so unfortunately, I think with concentrating and targeting social media, it, it's almost exclusively with breast augmentation. It's almost exclusively with breast and body surgery in that millennial population. My practice is filled with patients who are older, facelift patients, rhinoplasty patients, eyelid patients, okay? And, and so I don't dr derive a ton of value from dancing around and showing eyelid pictures, but somebody who is doing a tremendous amount of breast augmentation may feel otherwise. And then that sort of begs the question with patients, what are patients really looking for? Are they looking for a fantastic surgeon that gets great results, that's humanized, that is a talented surgeon, or are they looking for the best dancer? Dr. Jujurikar from Dallas, tell me your thoughts on that. Can you dance? I know you can, I've seen you. you twerker? Can't dance well. You're a but twerker. Yeah. But, but... I've seen you twerk before, come on. You'll never know from my social media account. So, so yeah, but that, we all came from the same background. We all trained at a place, the University of Michigan, as we've alluded to many times, where there's a certain gravitas associated to being a surgeon. We're taught in our first week of surgical residency that it's a privilege to take care of people, that people look at you as an authority figure, as someone that they're going to look up to, not someone they're gonna look at as being, a source of entertainment. So we all have that same bias where education is our primary is our primary our primary focus. But ultimately at the end of the day there are people that do facial aesthetics. One of my uh, one of my partners and one of our previous guests Dr. Rod Rourke for instance who has hundreds of thousands of followers and a robust social media presence who manages to put together an incredibly educational social media platform where he's showing lots of intraoperative maneuvers. He's teaching both surgeons and patients at all times on a social media platform. And I think ultimately that's what most patients respond to. There are these patients in their late, in their late teens, early twenties who may look for something a little bit more um, a little bit more entertaining, but ultimately I think we can thread that needle and be educational and still have a robust presence. Dr. Rorick's social media account, I, <clears throat> I find exceptionally respectful. He's, he is all about education and that, that has been his goal from when back years ago, even before social media. And so that, that's just a natural evo evolution mm -hmm. of how he's maintained his practice. But it's, it, you make a great point, Dr. Reed from New Jersey about just do you, as a, as a practitioner in social media, do you want to be a surgeon to, to, great, to educate patients and get patients to come in and see you? Or do you want to be a social media star? Do you want to be an influencer? And that line is very much blurred, I think, in today's day and age. It is. And I've played around with it some. I'll post memes about, I'm so glad that... I have my Botox so that people around me can tell what I'm thinking about them, little meme jokes, or I'll do uh, us. I've done the dancing around, not my staff has it in the clinic and uh, with boxes of Juvederm or you know, stuff like that. And uh, that's not necessarily informational or anything, but I think patients do respond to it to a degree. When I wasn't doing social media a couple years ago, patients would wonder how they would find me through word of mouth, but they'd be like, what? I didn't 
they didn't know anything about me. But now when patients come and see me, they know me, they have, they, they know my right. staff, our approach to stuff. They know we're lighthearted with a lot of things and we're not, and we're really friendly, I think. So it, it helps shape our persona to people beforehand. Um, well, what's, what's an example of something you would consider to be over the line then, Dr. Reed? Well, that's a good question. And I think I'm going to show you uh, some TikTok videos of a, a plastic surgeon out in Beverly Hills. And I would say to me, this would not be anything I would do. But Again, like you said, I think there is a set point that everyone has within themselves in term, internally what is entertainment and what's acceptable for them and what's not. Um, Dr. I, I to... Dr. Ree, I think what I would love to see on social media is with all your work with, with CrossFit, you should just get rid of the scrub top and just do a full scrub down with your whole chest. I have sure. posted myself working out <laughs> a lot, actually. And it's, it's intense. I love it. It's, but you, uh, you go for the full head to toe scrub. Sure. I, think, yeah. I, I think you're missing the homoerotic <laughs> undertones of what he's asking you to do. He wants you to glisten shirtless on your social uh, media profile. I am I, I, not phased by Sal's homoeroticism at all. Save it's pretty baby. normal. I personally think it would be good for business, but it'll be interesting what you think in terms of professionalism. But I think it'll be good for business. I, I think, you know, I have posted on occasion, not me in scrubs, but yeah, with my working out and I work out without my shirt and all that. And, and I've, I've done that on occasion. I don't feel like if I did a lot of that would be very representative of me or my practice, because ultimately I have to show some of my personal life. Just Sal shows himself surfing or whatever else is in your life your family or your pets or whomever. And I see a lot of plastic surgeons who, who highlight what's important in their lives. But at the end of the day, like Sam says, I, that's a peripheral part of it. And most of what I want to post is that patients know that I'm helping them, that this is right. focused on them. And if all I did was have glisteny shirtless pics, then I'm only servicing Sal. I'm not servicing anyone else. And the reason I mentioned that is <laughs> when you, with all kidding aside, when you post that kind of stuff, it tells me that you're the kind of physician that is not just worried about getting patients to come in. You're worried about health and fitness and how that affects your whole kind of personality. So the fact that you're like deep into health and fitness, I, I think is a fantastic attribute to tell patients or to show patients because you're going to you're going to treat them that same way. Hey, an abdominoplasty is not a, a catch-all thing. You got to incorporate this into your health, your food, your diet, and then your daily life. I think your social media is very tasteful. I, I'm just simply joking, obviously. Thanks. I appreciate that. I want to get into this Wired article, which sort of shows some pretty high profile celebrity style social media influencer plastic surgeons. But I just wanted to reiterate one more time that we are not the ones who are deciding as plastic surgeons what to do. We're following our demographics and what our, our patients are doing. And it was amazing to me that I saw that some of these stats from a 2019 article from PRS, where 71% of millennials engage multiple times a day on Snapchat, 68% of adults uh, on Facebook, and they actually equate presence and activity on social media with depth of experience and competence. So if you're actually a surgeon not posting in social media, they might actually think that you're less experienced or you're less competent, which is mind blowing to me 
because I think generationally, we never thought that anyone who was prominent on social media was actually someone who that that related to how good they were. As it's, it's exceptionally counterintuitive to me because I, I find that in my practice, the busier I am, the less I post on social media, because if I'm operating 12 hours a day and seeing 40 patients a day, how could it possibly take a minute to post a selfie? I'm going to take a selfie. Isn't that crazy? But that's <laughs> exactly what, yeah. Yeah. what, what patients are thinking. So I get a ton of patients from social media, predominantly Instagram. I get as many patients from Instagram as I do from Google. And I try to post something every day. I have people that help me with this as, as well. It's not me that's actually doing it. And I'm going to challenge the traditional way that we think about things. I would say that where social media platforms, particularly Instagram in today's day and age in YouTube are that that's what our patients are going to. That's the platform that they get news from. That's the platform they get entertainment from. That's where they spend all of their time. And if you don't directly put yourself on that platform, which is what is viewed as being in our patients, an important source of getting information and entertainment, that they're gonna view you as being out of touch with what they're looking for. And ultimately, the days of word of mouth are not over. Like having patients refer their friends and family are still incredibly important, but there's multiple channels by which you get new patients and social media and the internet is an important channel. And similarly, I think you can showcase your work on these social media platforms. Social media gives you the opportunity to show your before and after photos, to show what you're actually capable of achieving. You can fine tune the message you want to deliver to a patient. like. Here's what you can accomplish with this procedure. And it really allows you to communicate with them where they're actually sitting. So if you're not engaging in these platforms, you're missing out on a way to communicate with potentially, you know, new patients to your practice. Let me ask you this, Sam. It used to be that Facebook was a prime social media app, but it seems, and I know for many of the younger demographics, they don't use Facebook as much anymore. That's what Aunt Sally uses or whatever. Now it's Instagram. But now they're also migrating to other apps. For example, Snapchat is huge, obviously. And TikTok is now becoming the app for younger potential patients. Are you also going to start moving? Do you use those apps? Do you advertise on those apps or feature yourself on those apps? Or will you in the future? I do not and I will not. And it's simply for this. I know myself. I know that when I'm in the operating room, my, my focus needs to be on doing surgery. I focus on the procedure on the patient and I'm not worried about filming things in real time while I'm doing surgery. So for me personally, I generally feel like the quality of work that I will do will go down if I'm focused on filming things. So I, it's not something for me, I'm comfortable where I'm at right now using things that allow me to showcase before and afters and some isolated video clips of things, but I don't want to start filming surgery. That's just for me, not, I'm not a performance artist. I'm a surgeon. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I am oftentimes videotaping surgery with patient's consent, but it's rarely, if ever, used for social media. It's really used for education. I am very robustly involved with our professional societies, giving talks multiple times a year and documenting kind of new and interesting types of surgeries. And in, in, in taping those surgeries, it is stressful to to do that because you, not only do you have to concentrate on the, the type of work you're doing, you have to concentrate on the lights, the camera, the venue or the mechanics of what you're doing. It just, it takes, it adds time to the operating room. And it, it's just not something that 
that that is helps with patient care. One question I have for you guys is, did you ever think about maybe, say, responding to traffic court while you're operating? <laughs> have you heard that, that story, I just heard about story that. this week? <laughs> no. Yeah. Go ahead, no. Sal, tell so about there, it. <laughs> so there was a surgeon this week, I, I don't know where it was, but as a plastic surgeon, and he was summoned to traffic court virtually, and he did it, he signed into the traffic court while he was operating. And the judge just completely admonished him and said, what are you doing? It was, it's just like ridiculous. Yeah, the judge said, we don't want to compromise your patients, so we're just going to postpone the court date. But he showed up on Zoom saying, I'm ready. But he was in the middle, like he was with a patient in an OR. It was, it was, I think borderline, <laughs> I think it was inappropriate, <laughs> especially if I was I mean, the patient under. Yeah, exactly. If the, if the patient got wind that the, the, the surgeon was simultaneously engaging in traffic court, they're not going to feel like they got their surgeon's undivided attention. Yeah. I think the issue is this to me also is where we see this going because Obviously, our mentors would never engage in social media the way we do now. And I, I know exactly how they feel about it. But the younger surgeons that are starting their careers now or will be starting their careers now, I think they're going to have to grapple with this social media. And if they are not on Snapchat or on TikTok, I think they're going to feel tremendous pressure to be on it. And I just saw an article in New York Times in last year. Basically, it says for doctors turned influencers, the TikTok learning curve can be steep. And there was a, a plastic surgeon in New York, Dr. Matthew Shulman, who said Snapchat has been vital to his uh, private practice. It drove 80% of his consultations. A post he made on TikTok drew over 6.8 million views. And when you're getting that kind of visibility, I think every young plastic surgeon out there is going to have to look at it and say, this is something I'm going to have to do as well in order to be successful. And, and that's where we keep pushing it even farther down this path. Bob Aker, who is our Aesthetic Society Corporate Counsel, I know Bob fairly well from just some educational stuff. He articulated a very interesting prediction. He said that this is what will happen with social media. It will not change. It will continue to go up and up. But what you will see is you will probably see independent and frequent, more frequent episodes of patient undergoes cardiac arrest while TikTok video is going on in, in operating room. You will start to see litigation coming out of patients who are going to sue their doctors because hey, they weren't concentrating on the surgery at the time they were doing this TikTok video. And with everything that's on social media, you're gonna see pinpointing, hey, at this time at 9.30 a.m. when this occurred in the operating room, he was logged in on his Facebook account or on his Instagram account, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And, and so that, that's what we're gonna see, unfortunately. But it won't change anything. There's so, much, there's so much data. There's so much data that shows that when we multitask, we're unable to accomplish everything efficiently. Like, Surgery, ultimately, not to be sanctimonious, but we are, it's even when we're doing what patients consider to be a simple cosmetic procedure, there are potential life and death consequences involved with surgery. And being able to focus on the job at hand is really important. And I'm not saying that sometimes you can't film a video clip here or there or film something for educational purposes and all that, but when you're constantly live streaming everything you do and it turns into a performance art and and the surgery is just part of what you're doing and social media is your focus 
things are going to happen. The, the things will happen that are going to have negative consequences for patients.